Hi, and welcome to Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Feld. A cancer diagnosis is one of the hardest slap in the face imaginable. All of a sudden, you have to become an expert in cancer and its treatments because your life depends on it. Oncologists, family, and friends are pushing you towards chemo, radiation, surgery, and yet you feel there are additional solutions out there. You don't feel confident in that only traditional therapies will take care of it. You may, as I have, seen family or friends quickly go downhill from harsh medical treatments. There is a better way. I invite you to listen to stories from real people fighting cancer successfully through powerful, integrative, and holistic methods. Learn what they did. This is my gift to you to make the learning curve less steep after your diagnosis. The information this podcast could save your life as it has others. Well, I'm so excited to have you on the show today, Brandon LaGreca, on Integrative Cancer Solution with Dr. Carl Feld. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Dr. Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, so you had, I mean, you're, you're an author, you're a, a holistic practitioner, but you've had your battles yourself, and that is what have given you a tremendous amount of insights. Can you tell me a little bit about your, your journey, how, how it all started? Sure. So I'm a practitioner of traditional Chinese medicine, and it was about 10 years into private practice. This is now 2015, when I was diagnosed with a stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. How that kind of came about is I was living a very healthy life, I think. You know, I was trying to be a model for my patients and doing all the right things. And then um, suddenly, over the course of the winter of 1415, I started having these episodes of severe abdominal pain. And they were getting worse and becoming more frequent. And finally, they were bad enough that I got to the ER and got a CT scan there. And that's when the emergency room doctor looked at my wife and myself and said, you know, we see all this lymph enlargement in your abdomen. And one of them is causing a bowel obstruction, but we think you have lymphoma. So there was the initial treatment for a small bowel obstruction and being in the hospital for a few days. But shortly after that, I was discharged to kind of understand this whole new life and world of being a cancer patient. So that started a whole process that now I'm seven years into. Um, the short of it, and we can, you can certainly, we can expand as much as you like on this, but the short of it is that I went through a little bit of conventional oncology treatment and a whole lot of integrative holistic treatment. And within about seven, eight months, I was fully in remission. So, and I'm happy to say that I've gotten, you know, periodic scans. I don't check in very often, but that I have remained so ever since. So I'm grateful to be able to share that with you today and answer any questions that you have for you and your audience. That's really exciting. That's exciting news. And so in, in regards to your journey, obviously, you know, being a practitioner yourself, you have a lot of tools in your tool chest. How did you navigate what to do, what not to do uh, in your decision-making based upon what you were dealing with? Yeah, that's an excellent question because I think when someone first gets a diagnosis, it is overwhelming to say the least. And not only do you have first opinion, second opinion, maybe even a specialist when it comes to your specific cancer diagnosis within the conventional oncology model, then you have all of these offshoots in the integrative world, you know, and there are any number of different um, therapies that one could could seek out. Um, some of them very good, some of them maybe less well-known or researched. Um, so it can be just um, an overwhelming sense of what do I do now? So for me, you're right. I mean, I obviously have a background in holistic medicine. Um, so for me, it really came down to two initial decisions. The first decision was, do I go down the path of 
the conventional treatment the way that it's initially laid out to me, which for me was you're having symptoms, you have a pretty massive tumor in your abdomen. We need to shrink that because that can become an emergency situation. So my oncologist, um, who I'm still in touch with and, and very good friends with, you know, he offered me the high dose induction chemotherapy. Let's hit it hard. Let's hit it fast. Let's shrink it as quick as we can. But there was this little voice in the back of my head that said, with everything that you know, and all the different things you can plug in, I would regret not trying a more integrative approach first, because I knew what the consequences were of that high dose induction chemotherapy. I knew what they would do for my, my how would they ravage my body, affect my fertility. You know, here I'm a young guy, new family. And so I decided I will do, take some time. And that was really the key, I think for me was, you know, take a breath, step back, get a few different opinions, consult my colleagues, the people that I've known for years now, and try to flesh out what an integrative protocol might look like for me. And so then the second decision is how much time do I give it basically once I made that first decision. So it initially looked for me at least with, again, with a lymphoma diagnosis to make the choice with my oncologist to say, Hey, you have this immunotherapy option that looks really good, very low risk from the sense that it has a very you know, gentle profile. There's not a lot of side effects, very minimal. So are you willing to just try this immunotherapy drug with me? We'll hold off on the chemo. There's no radiation or no surgery that was indicated in my case. So let's hold off on the high dose chemotherapy. Let's just do the immunotherapy, which, you know, kind of wakes up the body's immune system to what's going on. And then let me plug in all these other things like herbs and nutrition and detoxification. Now, to be fair, I didn't tell my oncologist the half of what I was doing, but um, these were things that I felt very comfortable with. These were things that I put a lot of time and research into. And then I talked with a number of different colleagues, some who's even specialized in you know, kind of holistic cancer therapies. And, um, and so that's exactly what I did. And, and it started off with being, you know, a week of this immunotherapy um, for four weeks in a row. So that was one month of treatment. I had about a 30% reduction in tumor burden after that time. So I was hopeful. It was something. You know, my immune system was being alerted to the fact that there was these malignant B cells. Um, but then I really kicked my protocol into full force. And then over the next several months, I had gotten one, what's called a maintenance dose of this uh, drug called Rituxan um, every few months. And then I got a scan at the end of November, diagnosed in February of 2015, got a scan at the end of November, and I had a clean PET scan, and I've been in remission ever since. That's so, amazing. Yeah, and again, I'm, I'm grateful to be able to share that with you. And I don't want to sound like I'm cavalier, like I've got it all figured out, because I don't think that's certainly the case. But what I can say from my own experience is what I did at least worked for me. And the benefit of being able to share that with you is a lot of the therapies that I sought out um, and even the mindset that I had through this process is something that I continue to cultivate. Things I keep, you know, you can't keep doing chemotherapy day in and day out for the rest of your life. It's just too toxic. Even in some instances where it might be indicated, it's still, it's a very toxic process. So, you know, at least the therapies that I have sought out, I continue to do, and I continue to find new things and new avenues to, to, keep, to empower myself. And so when you put together your kind of the integrative side, uh, obviously the oncologists were was guiding you along with, you know, the different options that are available and the pros and cons, and you, you had time to research that, and then it was kind of a collaborative effort to uh, see what, what therapies, you know, that uh, he would provide or he or she would provide. And, uh, but in regards to the integrative aspect, I mean, you, like, like you mentioned, there is a, uh, such a wide spectrum of things that you can do. 
uh, you know, people do you know, a bunch of IVs, they do oxygen therapy, say, you know, obviously acupuncture, uh, supplements, uh, detoxification, diets. Uh, I mean, the, the list it, it, for somebody that gets diagnosed and they want to do the alternative route and they start to learn of what's available. I mean, that in itself becomes overwhelming. Uh, and, you know, for somebody like yourself that has a, a, a good grasp of what's available, uh, it, uh, I mean, it, it's a lot for yourself, but then for somebody that has no experience, it would be even more. How did you pick this one versus that one? Yeah. How to navigate that. So I have a few responses to that. One is find your team, you know, find the people who you trust that you really connect with that will really flesh out your healthcare team. And that could be someone obviously like yourself or increasingly myself now, as I'm consulting more with patients online. Um, and so look in your area or look online virtually to see what kind of practitioners are out there that you're really drawn to their work, drawn to their personality, and, and you can build a rapport with. So that's the first thing is build your team. That said, it's also in the best interest of each individual cancer patient to really look at some of the other options that are available to them and then figure out, for instance, yes, you can have, you know, your IV therapies, your oxidative therapies, vitamins, detoxification, and all that. But at the end of the day, it really comes down to you have a million options and no one can afford all of them, frankly. <laughs> so what are the things that you really feel good about? And I think this is something, and, and so first of all, let me back up. My process just as a clinician is always to empower my patient. And so from, from my perspective, if they're sitting across from me you know, in, at my desk here and having an intake and they say, what I want to do is just the full line conventional therapy. And I just want you to treat some of the side effects. I'm hundred percent going to back your play. That's what I'm here to do. I'm not here to make your job difficult. I want you to make those decisions. Cause for me, at the end of the day, the most important thing is someone feels empowered and they have a sense of agency returned to them and that they are going to follow through with whatever they decide. What I don't want is someone waffling between choices. So to get back to your question is there are going to be a lot of different things are going to be open to any cancer patient newly diagnosed, but I'm going to guess there's only going to be some of them that they really feel on almost an intuitive level that they're really drawn to. And so for me, this is a principle that I, I get back to time and again, which is called the mindset of being a cancer patient. And the mindset is, what are the things that I feel I'm most drawn to that are going to have the biggest bang for my buck that I really feel like I can get behind and stay behind, right? Because as we, you and I both know, compliance is key. You can't just be starting one thing and, the, oh, this research came out and that seems better. I want someone to be able to get almost into a quiet, intuitive space, take their time after their diagnosis, say, these are the things maybe from a research perspective that make the most sense for my diagnosis. Let's pick a few things and let's just give it time. So there's no easy answer to your question other than to say that, you know, do your own research, find your team, try to plug in the things that make the most sense, and then really take a step back and say, what are the things that make the most sense for me that I really feel drawn to on an intuitive level? And I think for a person who does that, they are going to get way better results, not because of the therapies so much as that they are going to be engaged in the process. And that means more to me than anything. 
And, and I agree with you there. I mean, because at the end of the day, it's not really the this herb or that herb or that diet or this diet that is going to be the, the biggest deciding factor. I mean, you, you see the person that is empowered and that, that makes a clear, intuitive, and, and I liked how you brought in kind of intuition because a lot of, obviously, we as, as an individual don't have all the possible knowledge that you would need in order to be able to, to make the, the absolute accurate decision. And a lot of times that absolute accurate decision, it's not about the, you know, to do this or do that, but it's to be in a place where, like you're saying, being empowered, that you feel that this feels right. This is, I, this is in line with who I am. And, and it's, it's that higher knowing that exists. And, and that higher knowing is kind of the ultimate guide to you know, your, your true healing. And why? And this is a good question because, I mean, I love science and I love the research journey to discover things, but that only will ever give us averages. And we're all an N of one. So I think it's helpful to get good science on things like herbs and vitamins and such so we know what they're doing and we can make predictions based upon that. But that doesn't mean it's going to impact us on an individual level, right? We have this concept of biochemical individuality, right? So one thing that may work for one person may not be the best choice for the next person. This is something that's so ingrained in me as a practitioner of traditional medicine is we have to individualize. We have to meet someone where they're at in the overall context of their their mind, their body, their emotions, their environment. And so we look for these things. I mean, one of that, one area where that really comes out, you know, where science again meets kind of intuition and senses, we can test people for their toxic load, right? You know, what are they being exposed to? Well, you can have two patients with lymphoma, but one of them may be exposed to this carcinogen and this one another. And so that's where the individuation process comes in. We figure out what those things are and then the very specific remedies that may address that. So all those things have to come together. And, and what, what's an interesting point, just to kind of bring that even uh, kind of from a different angle, you know, you can have two individuals, same toxin, same level, you know, one has lymphoma and one is, is perfectly healthy. Right. So uh, it all depends on the individual and how their ability to process, but also their emotional connection with what's going on. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're talking a little bit about the mindset of a, uh, of a cancer patient. And, you know, obviously the, the biggest key is to be empowered mm -hmm. and to, to feel like I, you know, I'm doing this thing and, and what I'm doing is driving me to where I want to go, you know, mm -hmm. and, and I'm going to ride this horse and I feel comfortable riding this horse. Mm -hmm. So what are some other important components of, of kind of the mindset while you're going through this journey? Cause it's a tough journey. Yeah. So there's a few questions that I, at some point in my, in my conversation with patients that I try to address, you know, one of them very broadly, I try to ferret out what the biggest stresses and traumas that people have experienced. Um, one way I can ask that is I'll say, you know, is there any been a time in your life where you just checked out where you just feel like you didn't want to be here anymore? And I'm not looking necessarily for a suicide case. What I'm looking for is a, a trauma sufficient that somebody, um, something that overwhelmed their coping you know, mechanisms and, and, and something where they, they might've given up a little way where they've, they've created maybe in a, in a sense, you know, the seed for cancer in their body, there's an area that's unhealed. And I, and I think about this because one of my favorite definitions of cancer is just a wound that's not healing. 
It's just a perpetual wound. And so I look on that on all levels. I mean, is there an emotional wound that has not healed that we need to address just as much as there is a physical wound from an environmental carcinogen? Both of those things come into play in my, in my you know, conversation with patients. So that's one question that I would encourage you know, someone who's newly diagnosed to think about, is there something that you feel like there's an old hurt that needs to be addressed? And if there's any particular connection, because metaphors are very powerful. You know, examples are someone, for instance, who, a woman who has a breast cancer diagnosis that comes out maybe shortly after she's had some kind of sexual trauma or she had some fallout with a child, right? For instance, think about it like the breasts were literally feeding their their offspring. And then let's say they had this massive fallout with their child and the emotional wound, you know, around their heart, around the lungs where grief is and such as we think in Chinese medicine. So all those metaphors, I think are very valuable if we can kind of hone in on the connection to them. Beyond that, I think one of the other questions that I really try to, to get across to, to folks is, um, I ask them, you know, how will this diagnosis make you a better person? How will you take this, not just as something I want to externalize? And we can, we can do that with cancer because again, let's take the example of the breast cancer. We can do a lumpectomy. We can, we could psychologically remove it from ourselves and forget like it, it was ever there. And I don't think that does anyone any favors. I think we need to own the, the process that's happening in our body and then, and then say, you know, how can I take everything that's happened to me up to this point and then make changes so that I am a stronger person on the other side of it. And if I can convince a person of that, then I have the path forward. I have the vision at least for where we want to go. And then it's just a matter of filling in all the, the, the details to get them to that place. So that's another really good question that I try to ask them. And then, you know, try to find out what their why is behind, um, moving forward or, you know, what's the thing that you want to be here for? You know, for me, obviously my daughter was two years old when I was diagnosed. And if she wasn't in the picture, I might've been able to say, I'm, I've lived even a good life, even as a young person. If I, if this is it, that's fine. My wife will move on. I'm sure I'll be okay. But I could not tolerate the thought of my daughter not growing up without a father. I just couldn't do it. And so that was, that was my why. And so I did a lot of work around that. I did a lot of envisioning, you know, every morning for years, I would get up and I would try to see myself as a grandparent. I would visualize that because I knew that if I could do that, I would well outlive my prognosis. And so um, it's going to be different for different people. But those are some of the, like the, the kind of the elements of mindset that you can start piecing together that I don't know if there's any magic about in the sense that, you know, someone who has a, this anti-cancer mindset, they're going to just conjure it up. I don't know. I think it's just, these are really nuts and bolts psychological things that, again, that if we laser focus ourselves, that we are going to have better outcomes just because we're going to be more engaged in the process of our own healing. And it's fascinating to me because you have somebody that is maybe doing all the right things. I mean, like they have vision boards, they, they do all these different things, look at the trauma, say uh, they walk the walk, but somehow it doesn't become part of them fully. You know, they, they are taking the steps, but it, it's not, they, they don't feel comfortable in, uh, in that knowing and being. And so they're, they're still lacking power. There's always something more they feel they need to do. Yeah. And that's a really good point. And from the perspective of, I think if you get too attached to the outcome, then that's not good either. <laughs> and I think we have to be very mentally and emotionally prepared for it's not going to work that this, that, you know, that we may ultimately succumb to this cancer. And we actually have to be in a, in, in alignment with that thought as well. 
And I'm not saying that because I think we need to be overly positive all the time, but I don't think it works that way. I think we have to address our fears around cancer. We have to address our own mortality, certainly. Right. And for a lot of people getting a cancer diagnosis is the first time that that's ever happened for them where they've gotten to be in this vulnerable place. Um, but then to realize once I've kind of purged myself of those fears and, 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 and voice them, then I could now just go on with living my life. And that's to me is the important point. You know, oncologists are really good at preventing or delaying death. I'm much more interested in, in promoting life and as a holistic practitioner. So I think it's very possible for someone to not be cured, but be healed in the cancer journey. Someone could be on their deathbed, but if they are a more forgiving, a more open person, if they're sharing about their life like they've never done before, there is a massive opportunity for healing in, in their final moments. And I think we have to keep that in perspective because on a long enough timeline, right, more, you know, no, every, no one's going to be around. So we have to kind of understand that we, ha we can take this as a wake-up call in our life. We could use it to motivate us to be healthier, stronger people, to be more connected to our families, our friends to realize what is more important in life. You know, some people are slaving away at their jobs, doing things that they don't like day in and day out. And this is the thing that shakes them up. And then maybe they realize I need to do things differently from going forward. If they use that as their motivation to do so, then cancer has been a wonderful teacher in their life. However many years they have left on this planet. And that's why I love your, you know, the second question that you, that you brought out, you know, what, what, what is, what is cancer teaching me? You know, what is the purpose of cancer and, and how is that going to make me a better person? Yeah. And yeah, that, and that becomes key and also recognize it's not about always the, the length of time that we're here, but it's about the quality of time that we're here. Absolutely. We're able to achieve. So you can, within a day's time, you can achieve something that maybe would have taken 50 years you know, in healing and becoming more whole in your relationship and who you are as an individual. Yeah, absolutely. Any other kind of thoughts for, for a cancer patient that you feel, I mean, you've, you've, you've written so many other, you know, great things, you know, in, in regards to, you know, what, what to do to stay healthy, you know, mm -hmm. by the EMF. And so people can find your resources and they can just go onto your website to find all these resources. Absolutely. Yeah. My, my, my books are all on there. Um, I've written over 70 blogs and a lot of them have to do with cancer, not all of them. Um, but certainly my, my website's just brandonlegreca.com or if people want to jump right to my blog, which is fun. They can just do that by going to empoweredpatientblog.com. But what I would say, um, you know, kind of to wrap things up a little bit is one way that I think about not just cancer, but health in general, in terms of my philosophy of medicine is, you know, there are definitely, uh, and this comes a lot from my training in traditional Chinese medicine, where we think there, you know, there's like the yin and yang, so to speak, there's the internal and the external. And so that's kind of my algorithm when I, when I evaluate anything myself, any other patient that comes to me, I think about what are the internal causes of what's going on in them and what are the external causes. And so how that plays out for something like cancer is I think we need to have a really good firm understanding about what environmental carcinogens we're being exposed to. And that is a huge topic, um, but it's a really important one. And it's one that's largely ignored by conventional oncology. They are still very much invested in the whole oncogene somatic mutation model. 
Um, so if you go to a, an oncologist, they're pretty much going to say, you know, you've got some bad genes, or maybe you've been exposed to things that have affected your, your genetics in such a way that this mutation has occurred, but that once the cat's out of the bag, that's it. So we just have to just address it as it is, where I think that's a missed opportunity not to look at the things that we are being exposed to reduce our exposure to carcinogens and so on. So that's the external piece. The internal piece for me is looking at these things like stress and trauma and understanding mindset and the things that really drive us as, as you know, human beings. And so where those two meet for me is the art of medicine that in inside and outside together. Um, so what I would encourage people to do is Yes. If you, let's say you've been newly diagnosed with cancer, you're going to get the conventional perspective and you may get more than one opinion. But what I would encourage you to do is look at these two main, you know, to me, I think if I had to summarize my work in sense of my writing, it's really looking at the epigenetic story of cancer. Look at epigenetics. It is a huge world available to us. And as we say in functional medicine, you know, genes load the gun, but environment pulls the trigger. So you, we really need to have an appreciation for what are these internal factors and these external factors that have really come to bear and brought this cancer process, you know, to where you are. And so there's a lot of healing that can happen there. Don't ignore those factors. Really go deep on those things. We all know the story in regards to the fishbowl. You know, you, you can try to save the fish, but if you never clean the water, right. you know, it, it's, it's not going to be very successful. And uh, it's important to translate that into our own being, like you're saying, look at, look at your exposure, you know, what kind of environment you're in. Uh, but then also, you know, some people are, some people get some toxins from their mother, meaning it, it, mm -hmm. it passes through the placenta. So you, it's not just looking at your own life and it's not only looking at, you know, thinking that, well, I haven't been exposed to it for the last five years. So, you know, why, why would it bother me now? You know, it's the accumulation of things and then, then it hits that kind of bucket effect where all of a sudden you become symptomatic and, uh, and it, it will then show itself like cancer or like whatever it may be. So, so to kind of backtrack, you know, your whole history. And even more fascinating, I'm just looking at this research now as I'm writing my third book, which is going to delve quite a bit more into trauma as a, as kind of a underpinning to cancer. Um, there's the work of Rachel Yehuda, who has done a lot of research with um, Holocaust, not just the, the people who survived the Holocaust, but more so the next generation, the next two generations and seeing how they have an increase chronic diseases and cancer being one of them. And so there's this really fascinating string of research looking at how things like trauma even have um, such a strong epigenetic influence that the effects of that can be passed on to multiple generations. So even, even, even in this internal frame that we're looking at, there's a way that that can even affect us. And there's healing that can be done on a generational level, just the same, like you're saying toxins being coming through the placenta. Um, so yeah, there's, there's a whole lot there. And, and it, you know, really for me, if we're not treating cancer terrain, we're not treating cancer. Yeah, and and recognizing that it's a it's a complex disease that is uh, driven by it's a multifactorial disease, and and I, I I love the work that you're looking or that you're writing a book about, you know, understanding how trauma is generational and is, you know where they're seeing the I think it was like the third generation from the Holocaust that they were experiencing exactly the same effect as if they were 
them themselves, you know, in you know, a concentration camp. So, and here they had great lives, but you know, everything looked like as if they just came out of a concentration camp. And so, yeah, there's no doubt that this trauma is just passed on from one generation to another. And then, you know, looking then into things like family constellation work and those kind of trauma release therapies in order to be able to unravel, you know, what, what may be the kind of driving energy that, you know, result, resulted into, you know, a tumor at the end, you know. Stay tuned for that. God willing, we'll have that one published next year. So oh, I'm, I'm excited. What, what's, what's the name going to be? For the book? Tentatively, it's going to be, it's a follow-up to my second book, which is called Cancer, Stress, and Mindset. This will be called Cancer, Trauma, and Emotions. And okay. I'm definitely going to take more of um, a traditional medicine approach as opposed to the second one, which was much more Western in the terms of the science. So yeah, it'll be a nice counter, counterpoint to it in a sense. And, and people can connect with you as they're going through this journey to, and, and you do consultations online or through Zoom to help them guide, guide through you know, in regard to their mindset, in regards to you know, where they're at and, and what direction they should go. Yeah. I mean, obviously I can't do acupuncture over zoom, unfortunately, but I do do a lot of, uh, like you say, the mindset piece of people are drawn to my work that way and herbs and nutrition, of course, is, you know, kind of my mainstay. So people are welcome to connect with me and through my telehealth platform, I would say just, just, uh, contact me through my, my author website again, brandonlegreca.com and, and we can chat. So awesome. I love it. Well, Thank you so much for coming on to the show and, and thank you so much for all the information that you're bringing and are bringing uh, to people to help them through, you know, these difficult times in their life and, and also to uh, prevent having to go through this kind of a journey, you know, because there's a lot, obviously you can do before this takes place. So thank you so much, Brandon. Sure. Thank you, Dr. Michael. You're doing great work as well. So bless you. Bless you. Thank you. The information in this podcast is for educational purposes only and it's not designed to diagnose or treat any disease. I hope this podcast impacted you as it did me. Please subscribe so that you can be notified when new episodes are released. There are some excellent shows coming up that you do not want to miss. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please take a moment to write a review and please don't keep this information to yourself. Share them with your family and friends. You never know what piece of information that will transform their lives. For past episodes and powerful information on how to conquer cancer, go to integrativecancersolutions.com. If you would like to know more about the cutting-edge integrative oncology therapies my center offers, please visit thecarlfeldcenter.com. Thank you for spending this time with us, and I hope to see you at our next episode of Integrative Cancer Solutions with Dr. Carl Feldt.